Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 21 of the Sin Essential Podcast. We are going to tip back some vodka in honor of uh, our <laughs> podcast being able to drink here in America and also in honor of our film this week, which is Reds. And uh, uh, my name is John Gilpatrick. Joining me, Aaron Pinkston. How are you? Doing great. Uh, what better way to spend opening weekend of the NFL than watching a three-hour movie about communist political discourse <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right and the biggest movie in america is a horror movie about a clown in the sewers <laughs> uh, also on the line uh making his official podcast debut pat brown pat how are you i'm good uh yeah i'm i uh am glad to be in an episode that presumably will not be lost to the ether well you're speaking a little bit too soon but uh i hope that's the case as well he's referring to our uh famous lost starship troopers episode which uh i don't so know if, if you've ever seen but heard. <laughs> if you've uh, been an avid listener of this in essential podcast you will know that we have mentioned pat on the show yeah uh many times actually for some who knows for some reason um but yeah pat is now he he was actually a, a great pick for this movie because he lived very close to russia uh, <laughs> yeah, until sure. until recently, and now is back in the U.S. So maybe he can bring some of uh, I don't know some of that uh, some of that closeness to him to the discussion today. Sure, sure, sounds good. <laughs> so Reds is uh, actually my pick, um, and it's one that I've been. It's been like sort of my runner-up pick when I'm choosing movies for the site for uh, <laughs> quite a long time, um, and it was just like okay, I can choose this three-hour movie or I can choose something else that's uh, shorter and maybe a little bit more fun and I always go in that direction but I felt like now is the time for Reds and uh, I'm glad I did it because it's been a long time since I've seen it and um, I mean I guess I'll get started I first saw this film in college I took like a class about um, uh, like late European history so like 17, 18, 1900s I think mostly uh, if I remember correctly and uh our professor was a big film fan and like he would bring in uh, a movie every week for whatever we were talking about to that like sort of depicted the events. And so when we were talking about like the Russian revolution, he brought in reds and it was one of the few films in the class that we watched that like I had no familiarity with at all. And we watched um, the sequence uh, of the actual revolution happening. So like right before the intermission and I just thought it was so such a good, you know, enjoyable just 10 15 minutes and uh i saw that the whole thing and i i really liked uh, everything else that came before and after especially after it but we'll get into that um so i don't think i think i saw the film one other time since then uh like i said earlier it's not one that like i go to regularly because it's so long because it's you know not like the most traditionally entertaining but i think it's a really good movie i think it's got a lot going for it i think it's forgotten the history a little bit even though as i mentioned in my opening take that it's you know was nominated for like something like 12 oscars and stars you know uh, enormous movie stars in the form of warren Beatty and diane keaton and jack nicholson um but for whatever reason it's not something that like gets talked about much and um it's also kind of like remarkable that this film even got made when it did i feel like because you know, we were still technically in the middle of the Cold War, and it just seems like maybe uh, something that was reflecting on communism in a sympathetic way 
was not uh, for would would not like make a big splash, but I guess the film kind of did. So um, I got to kick it over to you, Aaron. What's your relationship to this movie, and what do you think about it this mm-hmm. time around? Yeah, this is a film that I I had seen. Yeah. Um, probably about 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I didn't really remember much about it. I remembered it was very long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I rem- I remembered the basic, um, you know, the basic plot structure. I-, I definitely remembered the, and we'll get into it. The very interesting choice to uh, interview supposedly people who were, part of the situation at the time people who knew john reed right uh and uh sort of intercut their documentary like interviews within the film i remember that being sort of an interesting and different touch um to make a big epic like this and and yeah i think we'll talk about what we think that adds or, or takes away from the film at some point um over our conversation but yeah so i i just re- revisited it uh red's this weekend and um yeah i think it's a a really interesting film you you talk about it not being sort of traditionally entertaining Mm -hmm. but i i feel like it's an engaging movie the whole way through yeah i'd agree with that yeah i think there aren't there aren't really many big stretches that uh i felt myself really checking out of um I, I kind of can, can compare this in my mind to another recent film that we talked about on the podcast, um, uh, Gone with the Wind, yeah. because that too was another very long, sort of classically directed movie. But I feel like that film, there were definitely stages where I felt the, the plot was really dragging. The entire kind of half. Yeah, I kind of wanted to <laughs> for the film to get somewhere. Where whereas I, I feel like Reds is pretty well balanced throughout. Um, yeah. It might, yeah, like you said, it might not be the most traditionally entertaining. I mean, it's 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 mostly you know character and and plot, you know. But uh, there there isn't anything too crazy happening uh, throughout the course of the film. But mm-hmm. I felt pretty engaged. It, it's it's a good pick. I, I think it is definitely a film that could use some uh reappreciation especially in our current political climate sure. uh i think it has some some things to say about uh how political parties work uh, yeah in times now <laughs> or don't, we'll get that too, I don't. <laughs> um cool uh pat how about you so i i had never i don't think i had ever even heard of this movie um so my <laughs> why my is it <laughs> Yeah, um, so I, you know, in hearing, you know, it was a three hour and 15 minute long movie about what, you know, like a, a biopic or something, a three hour and 15 minute biopic, I sort of dreaded coming into it. But I absolutely loved this movie. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> uh, I just think it's so, it's so well acted, it's so well written, and it being so like, it does feel like a long movie, but not like in a, in a bad way. Like you're like the time you feel the time passing, but it's, but you're also so engaged because it actually takes place over the course of several years of, of these people's lives. Mm-hmm. So uh, it would be a great mini series for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can see that. Which I feel is usually, 
uh, a negative. You would usually say that about a long movie in sort of a, a negative way, but I think it works as it is, but you could certainly see this expanded a little bit more even. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think the, the chemistry between Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton is great, but also the lines that they're given, like their fights are so, or <laughs> I think the, the arguments in this movie are, are some of the best written arguments between like a married couple or a romantic couple that I, that I've seen in a movie. Like it, okay. they feel so real and, uh, uh, and because they're both writers, they're like, uh, they're very, uh, witty and, and biting. And, uh, I just felt, felt like, uh, yeah, the movie was so, so good. <laughs> As you say that, Pat, I have the IMDb quotes page for this movie up and I was just <laughs> looking at a quote that I think is a, is a great uh, example of that, where uh, John Reed says, Luis, I love you. And Luis says, no, you love yourself. Me, you fuck. <laughs> and I don't, I don't remember that specific line in the movie, but uh, even out of context, that's amazing. Yeah, out of context, I would guess that that comes from some sort of like... Uh... <laughs> just the opposite of this movie. Like that doesn't feel like a, a line that would come from this movie. Cause it's like, it feels like, you know, when you describe it as this, like, Oh, it's about the politics of, you know, the 1910s and 1920s and the American Russian left and whatnot. That is going to be like this sort of buttoned up affair, but kind of mm-hmm. like lets his hair down from time to time. And I strangely and... only uh, three out of four people found that quote interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what that other person, uh, who that, <laughs> who they are and uh, what's wrong with them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean like Pat, you sort of your, uh, your first reaction to, I guess, considering watching this was similar to Sarah's. I don't think it made the call <laughs> last week, but we were telling her she should check it out. And she's like, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. And we're like, oh, it's three hours. She's like, I'm not watching that. <laughs> yeah, I think Sarah would like this. Sounds movie. exactly like Sarah. <laughs> she doesn't like many things, but I think she would like this one. I do, too. I really After do. rewatching it, I think she would. I mean, I don't like many things either, and I love this. <laughs> cool. I feel like I could argue with Sarah over which one of us likes less. And I, and I, think, I think I would win. <laughs> We really do need to get both of you on together then sometime. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, when we had our, our last Starship Trooper episode, Pat loves that movie. Obviously, it was his pick that week, and Sarah didn't like it. So oh, there was that one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a shame. Um, so, okay. So getting into stuff that we liked about it. Um, I mean, I think that I agree with you about the fights for sure. I, I found them, like, very compelling. Um like, just overall, I appreciate that the film, like, doesn't treat its audience stupidly. And mm-hmm. it's obviously dealing with stuff that, like, I feel like, you know, it's three hours long. It's so hard to, like, make this work. And this is part of what I'm going to try to accomplish in my other piece this week. But to just provide more context around what's happening and all the different parties that are involved. Not just political parties, but just, like, you know, bodies that have differing opinions on um on the situation and um like it could have gotten into that a little bit better i feel like there's lots of acronyms that aren't really uh explained and and maybe that's okay but i you know it's a sort of a balancing act like i appreciate that they go there and they kind of get into the weeds on this stuff but Mm -hmm. um you know it's good it's good that they do that and they don't like treat us like we're too stupid to figure out what's happening and why it's important and what this means or what that means to the overall um, just sort of 
politics of the film. Um, there's a really great scene, one of my favorites in the movie, that comes on late um, between uh, Warren Beatty as uh, Jack Reed and um, Maureen Stapleton's Emma Goldman. And it's sort of like they're both stuck in Russia now and mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out what went wrong and she's trying to get out and he's like, no, we just need to give it time. And they're kind of debating over like why this went bad. And I feel like it's an interesting scene. It's got a lot of really strong dialogue, really good performances. I love Maureen Stapleton in this movie. She won an Oscar for it. We'll get into that more later. Um, but it's sort of like is everything that's coming later, that's like that gives the film like some life and some legs. And um, I think that's a really stupendous scene. Um, hey, John. Yeah. Before we get too far into this, since this might be a movie that maybe a lot of oh, listeners yeah. haven't seen, okay. do you want to just give like a brief plot description of this three and hour and 15 minute movie? Sure. That's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it might help. It might help me too. Okay. So, so Jack Reed is, is Warren Beatty, um, and he is a writer, uh, primarily, um, you know, he's a leftist in America in the, you know, early 1910s, uh, going into the 1920s. Um, and he meets a woman named Louise, uh, Louise Bryant and, uh, who's played by Diane Keaton, uh, in Oregon. And she's an aspiring writer also. Um, sort of a socialite. Uh, she's married to a dentist. And um, they have a bit of an affair, and he asks her if she wants to be serious about her writing, she should move to New York with him. So she does. And uh, once they're in New York, they fight, and they party, and they dance, and they meet interesting people. They sort of develop their politics a bit. Um, but Louise has trouble sort of getting out of Jack's shadow as a writer, and so she decides to go to France to pursue sort of her own uh, career on that front. Um, and eventually he tracks her down and convinces her that if you, again, want to be serious about your writing, the place to do it is Russia right now. Um, the, uh, second communist revolution, I believe of 1923 is about to get underway. And, um, 1917, 1917? I thought the second one was 1923, but, uh, my mistake. So, um, anyway, they go there together. Um, and, uh, they're just sort of swept up in the, you know, history that's happening around them. It's sort of the happiest time, uh, in their relationship. And, um, they're both very prolific in terms of their writing at this time. And, um, and the Bolsheviks come in and take power, which is sort of what they had been hoping for also. So they're happy relationship wise, they're happy career wise, they're happy politically, and they decide to go home and try to, um, you know, get things uh, kick-started in America on the left uh, using what they saw in Russia as uh, a template. And uh, it doesn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's, you know, right around the uh, halfway point, And it's sort of just downhill from there for them on all, on all fronts. And, um, you know, I, when I wrote about in my opening take is just like the second half of this film is such a, it's just, uh, you know, a tragedy on so many fronts and they're trying to recapture this like, uh, wonderful moment they had. And, um, in so many different ways it's failing and, um, they keep sort of going to increasingly desperate lengths to do, to recapture it. And, um, it gets them 
at least Jack especially, into some trouble. And he's chomping on some lemon peel to uh, avoid the scurvy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> trudging through snow uh, in Finland, and it's just, uh, it's not not good. And so um, that's, I mean, that's 90% of the film. If uh, you haven't seen it and I spoiled it for you, I apologize, but uh, you can uh, check it out. I watched it on Hulu if you're a Hulu This subscriber. is more of an experience film, John. You can't spoil Ooh. that. Well, it's, it's also Hulu. it's also historical. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched it on Hulu as well. It is uh, streaming there if you have a subscription. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm pretty sure we rented it. Oh, sorry. Uh. <laughs> I'm not good at looking for things on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway, that's a primer uh, for the film. Um, And uh, I had mentioned um, Maureen Stapleton. She plays Emma Goldman, uh, who is a feminist. Uh, She's an immigrant to America. um, And uh, she eventually gets kicked out of the country in sort of the, you know, red scare, I guess. And, uh, she is, uh, you know, a, pr- a fairly powerful intellectual, and um, she meets up with Jack in Russia, and, and in one of my favorite moments, meets up with Louise eventually, which is, uh, yeah, which is great. Um, yeah. But uh, and then uh, Jack Nicholson, I mentioned, is also in the film. He plays plays uh, the writer Eugene O'Neill, and um, he's a sort of on again, off again romantic interest of Louise, also um, kind of an odd role, but we can get to that too. Sure, uh, Aaron. I mentioned a few of my favorite scenes. Are there any okay. um, that you wanted to um, highlight that you especially liked? Yeah, there are there are a few. I mean, there are many great scenes in this film. Uh, obviously, the length helps that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess just uh, jumping off from uh, mentioning uh, Jack Nicholson as Eugene O'Neill, uh, there is a, a scene toward the middle of the film where... Uh, so before Luis and uh, Jack... Uh, while they're together, but their relationship is uh, doesn't seem like very serious. I mean, they're they, they're kind of both known as being anti-marriage and anti-establishment and and all of that, right? I mean, they're commies, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, there there's a, a scene where Eugene O'Neill comes to visit Louise, sort of drops in on her, surprises her, and pronounces his love for her. Uh, and this uh, is when Luis, uh, she uh, drops the bombshell that she's actually going to be getting married to to John Reed. Uh, and they, they sort of have a sort of a an interesting kind of it's it's a, it's a pretty interestingly heated argument. Um, there's a lot of tension in the scene. Obviously, you have Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton both just brilliant actors really playing really well off of each other. Um, and I, I feel like that's one of the, the more interesting dramatic uh, lines through the movie is, is this sort of side romance that doesn't, I mean, you could totally cut all of Eugene O'Neill out of the film and it probably would be okay yeah. um, for it. But I think it adds a, a little bit of extra dramatic stakes to the film that I liked. Um, another, it also uh, fleshes out Louise's character a little bit. Yeah. Like the, a lot of the movie yeah. is actually Louise's movie. I'd say, especially the first half before yeah. the intermission, it's actually like almost Louise's story. And yeah. without Eugene, uh, without the Eugene O'Neill subplot, you lose a lot of Louise. I think. I think that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the interesting things about that character and the um, 
material and the sort of scenes with Louise is that it gives you a stronger basis for why Louise wants to be with Jack because there's so many fights that they get into that you're sort of just like, why does this woman like bother with him? Um, Mm -hmm. And then she goes to be with Eugene O'Neill and it's like, they're mostly very pleasant with each other. He obviously cares for her. Um, And you could just tell that like, she's being pulled back. Like that's where she really wants to be. And as nice as this is, and as nice as her dentist husband is, I guess in the beginning (laughs) of the movie, it's just like, there's something stronger about her pull towards Jack that like, I think it's developed through this side romance. I also think his character is interesting from an audience perspective too, because you may not know who John Reed or Louise are, right? But, (laughs) But you probably know who Eugene O'Neill is. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's the only one I was familiar with. You know, the first yeah. Time so like that has sort of an interesting uh, pull on maybe uh, someone who's watching the movie for the first time, in in terms of where you might align in where you want Luis to to end up. Um, I don't know. So that was pretty interesting. There's another great scene toward the end where when all of the political turmoil is happening uh, and Jack Reed is, is basically like thrusted out of the, the main communist political group. Right. Um, there's a scene where a, uh, some sort of a meeting is, is happening and uh, he's basically locked out of it and they, they figure out a way to get in and there's an altercation uh, with it's, it's very fun to see uh, Mr. Feeney yes. um, from <laughs> Boy Meets World. And that, that was, that, that was most of my enjoyment of the scene, but uh, he's uh, the, the actor's name is uh, let me pull it up. Uh, William Daniels. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have come up with that. <laughs> yeah. Anyone. He's our also, age know miss who knows mr feeney is but he's, he's also the voice of kit the car from knight rider which is oh. what i think of when i hear his voice and he's nice. um uh, uh benjamin's father in uh, the graduate yes yes is that true yeah oh man he's been old forever yeah <laughs> he has been old forever. <laughs> no i love that too mr Fe- i was going to mention mr feeney uh he gets yeah a, so uh, he's like a bullhorn or some whatever like put on his head <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's like trying to uh, uh, maintain order in in this uh, in the communist crazy, party. <laughs> chaotic, chaotic uh, rampaging of of this uh, political meeting. Uh, dozens of people in this giant room, all yelling. And Jack Reed's trying to get his agenda out there. And the police come in, and um, that was actually kind of interesting to see too. Like <laughs> the police, like I, I just I feel like this seems so underground that that police involvement wouldn't be so, um, uh, so, uh, uh, organized. I don't know. It, it was a different time, I guess. I um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, I mean, throughout the second half of the film, there are so many great scenes of just like political meetings and people yelling at each other. Uh, and so much like discord between all of these people who are trying to, build this political party that is supposedly, you know, supposed to help everyone. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, we don't get to see, you know, leftist political parties in fighting. I mean, it, it doesn't really happen anymore. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so it was a little interesting. It was a little fun to see that. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we don't have much of a real left in America anymore, which I think yeah. is part of what this movie is supposed to be about. 
Yeah. Um, like at, at one point, you know, back when we were, I don't know, an industrial company or country, uh, we had, there was like a real presence of the left, which because of its own splintering and also state oppression, um, sort of disappeared and, and became forgotten, you know, like Jack Reed himself. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that there was I mean, like kind of a controversial thing to talk about in, in 1981, just after we've elected Ronald Reagan. Right. But there was this right. sort of like, uh, this looking toward Russia by a section of the American population, this looking toward Russia as the sort of country of the future. Like it seemed, it seemed to people of that persuasion that the re- the worldwide revolution had started. Mm. Um, and I think maybe part of the project of this movie is sort of reclaiming or or re- at least reminding us of this like sort of fairly recent connection to a country that we are totally. Uh, and, and are once again uh, alienated from. Uh, no, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that it did come out like at right at the beginning of the Reagan presidency. I mean, that feels. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's partially coincidental, I think, because right. from what I understand, Warren Beatty had been trying to get this movie made for like ten, fifteen years, and um, it took. Uh, Heaven Can Wait, which was his, I guess, Aaron, you can correct me if I'm wrong, directorial debut. Um, That's right. In 1978, which was a you know enormous hit for a studio to say, like, okay, you can go and make your comedy movie now. Um, yeah, Reds definitely feels like one of those kinds of movies that <laughs> that uh, takes 10 or 15 years to make, right? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's funny because, like, I expected that and f- when I started to do research into it. And, frankly, like, I was surprised that it wasn't more troubled than it is. Um, I mean, you <laughs> yeah. had, like, a, a little bit of a wait, but it's not, like, something he was, like, pounding the pavement for so much. Um, yeah, if- if Ishtar came before Rats, this movie would have never existed. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, I think that um, the other thing that was, I guess you could say, troubled about the production was the fact that Beatty and, and uh, Keaton were a romantic pairing at the time. And uh, you had some people writing about how it was either you know it's hard to say if there was strain on their relationship before they started filming or if like the fighting within the filming actually caused strain on their relationship but um apparently Beatty was notorious I don't know if if it's in all of his films or just this one for just many 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 takes um, yeah. and you had Maureen Stapleton, I guess at one point, like the 70th or 80th take on, uh, one of their scenes, she just looked at him and she's just like, are you fucking nuts? <laughs> 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 Which was great. Uh, wonderful uh-huh. anecdote. <laughs> um, so you, uh, I guess that's a good jumping off point for Aaron's piece this week, which is uh, Warren Beatty's filmography from the yeah. perspective of the movies that he's written and directed, not so much acted, acted right. in. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what you've learned so far watching those? Yeah, so I haven't watched everything uh, at the time of recording. I'm still working my way through it, having difficulty getting a few of the movies from Netflix. Uh, uh, the the uh, the very timely issue of, of the very long wait queue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I might actually have to spend some money on some of these. But anyway, uh, yeah, so... Warren Beatty, I feel like his career is interesting, especially from people in our generation. And this is kind of how I'm, I've been approaching um, uh, thinking about this, is that I don't think we 
quite understand how important a figure he was in Hollywood. Um, and I think part of that is because he really actually is very is is very unprolific. Um, he he only acted in something like thirty films, um, which is totally atypical for movie stars today. I mean, usually movie stars today have one or two movies out every year. Um, and then he, dire- he I, I feel like he, I'm not sure actually, actually where he sort of stands in, in people's minds as, as a director. Um, I know people who are interested in, in cinema history, and this will jump back to another film that we've talked about recently, but I think we all kind of understand how important he was as a producer and as a face for the new Hollywood uh, with Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, I think we had talked about when we talked about that film, John, we had, we went into it a little bit that, you know, without Warren Beatty, that movie probably doesn't get made. Uh, and who knows what the course of, of Hollywood would have been um, <laughs> if, if that movie hadn't been made. Um, so I think people understand that. But um, looking at the movies that he wrote or directed or both, um, there's only uh, seven in total, uh, including Reds. Uh, he wrote two screenplays, um, one for Hal Ashby's Shampoo, uh, which he co-wrote. Uh, and then he also co-wrote uh, a remake of Love Affair, the classic melodrama uh, that he starred in with uh, his then and current wife, Annette Benning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he uh, also directed uh, four other films. He uh, His first, as you mentioned, was Heaven Can Wait, which was another remake. Uh and then he directed Reds shortly after. Uh, then he didn't direct another movie again until 1990, so nine years later, uh, with Dick Tracy, which uh, is probably a film that most people of our generation would associate with uh, with Warren Beatty, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, because I definitely it, saw it when I was, you know, three or yeah, four or whatever, but right. I didn't remember anything yeah. about that movie. Yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, that one's a little atypical for him, or it seems like it would be, right? And and I haven't really done a lot of research into it, but I'm guessing that it's possibly because this movie came out three years after Ishtar was made. Yeah, so I was thinking too. <laughs> Ishtar at the time, and it's still sort of even now considered perhaps the biggest flop in Hollywood history. Uh, and he he didn't write or direct that movie, but he was obviously one of the two main stars. So I think that that film had probably a lot of uh, negative effects uh, in Hollywood for him. So uh, even though he did write the screenplay and he did direct uh, Dick Tracy, which is sort of this big cartoony movie, comes out a year after... Uh, Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman film, uh, and rewatching Dick Tracy, that definitely uh, came to mind. Um, so it kind of seems like, a, you know, maybe a sort of uh, Hollywood letting him back in by doing something that they want him to make in, instead of something that he might want to make, but it's pretty good. Uh, and then uh, finally, he, let's see, after Dick Tracy, um, he did Bullworth which I haven't seen and am very much looking forward to because that reputation, that movie that I think that movie's reputation has grown um, or at least stayed um, pretty popular in, in recent years, I think because of the 
uh, sort of satire of, again, a political system. Uh, and then finally, uh, after a long hiatus, he came back just, uh, what was it, last year yeah. with Rules Don't Apply. Uh, another sort of period, 19, see, that would be like more like the 1940s, 50s, right? Um, where he plays John. Is it? Is it? Because he's, he's John, uh, he plays John Hughes, correct? Uh, not John Hughes. Uh, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Uh, <laughs> John, I'd like to see that movie. <laughs> different, yeah, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about this movie. I didn't know. It yeah, did. it's. I haven't. I didn't catch it. John, did you see it? I didn't see it. Don't apply. Yeah, it's sort of uh, in the online film critics community. It's sort of a uh, <laughs> sort of an underdog kind of champion. I know a lot of people that uh, I'm friends with on Twitter. I uh, like to to. Uh, mention this movie so i'm i'm excited to finally catch up with that one too um but i haven't seen it yet and we'll see where his uh where his career goes from here i mean uh i'll be it'll be interesting to see if he directs anything else i'd like to see him write or direct or both a movie about the best picture kerfuffle this year (laughs) oh yeah that's (laughs) probably how most people know him as now i will say i'm i'm i've as that was happening and directly after I was becoming uh, a truther on this point because everyone was blaming <laughs> Warren Beatty. He didn't handle it properly. I'll get that. But it was, it was not him that announced. Uh, no, it, it was wasn't. Faye Dunaway that announced that, that La La Land won best picture, not him. Yeah, but what he didn't handle want, it properly. What is but, either one supposed to do in that situation? Yeah, I, I, I'm not a truther. I'm like a real conspiracy theorist here. I think it was all engineered to to increase YouTube video views of the Oscars. <laughs> that would be Jimmy one Kimmel. way to do it, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yes, anyway, I totally forgot about that until you just brought it up. Um, but I think people have, have... I think people started to come back around to my side. That wasn't all on Warren Beatty. Oh, I'll yeah, give him I totally some agree. Yeah, I'll give him some slack. Uh, anyway... <laughs> yeah, I so I, I've watched about half of the films that I'm going to be writing about, and most of these films I, I hadn't seen before um, or hadn't seen since I was a kid. So um, yeah, it's been pretty fun so far. Um, a lot of uh, definitely seeing a lot of similarities in the work. He does like to work in. Uh, he likes to do historical time periods. Sure. Um, he's done that multiple times, obviously, with Reds, uh, Dick Tracy. And uh, rules don't apply, which I haven't seen yet. Um, so he likes working with that. He's a very classic kind of director. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing really uh, fancy about uh, what he's doing with the camera or with his editing. Um, very just uh, likes to. I, I he's he's a very good storyteller. I think, mm-hmm. um, and I'm excited to see the the final few. I I also watched the Love Affair remake that he made, which. Uh, it's kind of an interesting film. It's one I haven't heard about anything. Like I've never heard anybody ever mention that movie, mm-hmm. um, which is strange because it's it's right after Warren Beatty and Annette Bening, who are like one of the power couples in Hollywood. Uh, right after they got married, they made this movie, um, and she is really good in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Annette Bening a lot. I like Annette oh Bening a lot. Oh my god! Yeah, awesome. Um, 
But yeah, it's, I guess that might be a good transition into some of the style of uh, Fred's. Yeah, I was um, going to say. So talk about I, the structure of this because I, I did mention he's sort of a classic filmmaker. I feel like he doesn't he doesn't do anything uh, that would I feel like detract from the story in in the art of making the film. Though Reds might be a counterpoint to that. So. Um, what do you think about that, John? Uh, yeah, so I, th- I was just going to say that probably the biggest trick, um, you know, sort of directorial trick that he plays um, across his filmography is the use of these interviews in Reds, and in the credits are officially called The Witnesses, um, mm-hmm. but they consist of historians and people who knew um, the Reeds and um, other sort of, I guess political figures on the left from the time who, um, at the time of filming are very old. Um, but yes. they are recalling the things that they remember about these people and about these times and places. Um, and I think it lends something really interesting to the film overall. Um, uh, Pat, what did you think about sort of the use of the interviews and, uh, were there any, I mean, I guess like my one, um, the one thing I would say is that like none of them in particular sort of like land. I think like the use of them as a whole is effective, but there's not like one anecdote where I'd be like, Oh my gosh, do you remember that one story that so-and-so told or even one person that especially stands out, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. what did you think, Pat? Uh, I think two people stand out. I, I think the, the woman with the, uh, big like goggle glasses, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> certainly stands out. Um, <laughs> And uh, and the kind of like sexist homophobic woman. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and the guy who looks like an ancient version of Gilbert Gottfried. Um, I gotta rewatch uh, this movie but, just for those people. <laughs> uh, no, I I I I really liked this sort of device of having this. Uh, it's almost like a collective narrator, right? Which sort of works yeah. for the themes of the movie. Which the movie is like very sort of classically focused around two people who are in love who are like going through this historical moment together and in that sense it's very classically uh, like sort of classical hollywood narrative like it's about these two individuals but then you have this little collective element of like not only like a group narrating the story together but also it's not a straight narration like they're not just telling you what's on screen sometimes what they say actually conflicts with um, the events on screen or the, the sort of overall tone of, of, of the movie, um, which is, I, I, w- I would say, like, you know, there, there are some people who are like socialists. I never, there were never any socialists yeah. in New York. Or, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. It's just absurd. Uh, and, um, but, but also, I think, conflicts with the story in a really interesting way that reminds you, I, uh, I think, in a, in a productive way that what you're watching is like one version of the story. It's one history. It's kind of a a construct and it's a really engaging, wonderful construct, but there are other versions uh, of the story and other histories that can be told. And I, and I think that that is a pretty admirable um, device. Um, And it's not, it's not intrusive at all. Like the movie lets you have it both ways. Like it can be sort of a critical history uh, of it or critical of itself, but also be a very engaging Hollywood movie. Um, it's it's pretty well done. Yeah, awesome. Um, there were and uh, Marcus is going to be writing 
about this construct for the site this week. Um, mm-hmm. There were a couple other films that I could recall that used something like this. Uh, when Harry Met Sally has like couples telling stories about how they met, um, which isn't directly related to the film because it's fictional, but um, I like that movie a lot. I, I always enjoyed those. Um, then there was the Richard Linklater film Bernie from a couple years mm-hmm. ago, and that uses interviews from people who knew the real Bernie, and I can't remember Shirley MacLaine's characters, but um, kind of further contextualize them right. and their relationship. And that's, that's used more in sort of a document, like it's sort of a uh, it's sort of a fictional documentary that that film. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it it sits a little differently uh, in the movie, but um, and that I I I think that those conversations are at least partially scripted. I'm um, sure they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I love Bernie. That's one of my favorite Linklater movies. My Underrated favorite movies of, yeah. of the last. 10 years or so. Um, Did we come up with any others? I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are other, I, I guess, yeah, the, the, the difference with Bernie, um, even though it is like a fictionalized retelling of this true story, the, the thing that brings it closer to Reds than something like a full-on mockumentary is that, yeah, he's actually talking... The people who live there and knew the actual people um, are the people who are talking to us. So, yeah, there, there's sort of an interesting blurred line of, of fact and fiction um, there. But, uh, yeah, I can't think of anything that quite does that. Um, there may be other uh, films, but none come to mind. Yeah. Um, now, Pat, you wrote um, a little bit about uh, Eisenstein's October for our related review, and um, you also, I mean, to kind of bounce off of some of these interviews, found some conflicting information about stuff that's depicted in the film versus what actually happened with these people. Do you want to talk a little bit about those two things real quick? Um, yeah, so I, I, for the related review, I, I sort of discussed this classic run- film uh, October, which was made on the uh, 10th anniversary of uh, the, the revolution. Mm-hmm. So in uh, so they call it the October Revolution in Russia. Apparently, they weren't using the Gregorian cal- calendar yet, so their <laughs> October 26th was actually our November 7th. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, October, it's a very different movie. I mean, like, if you want to talk about collective narration... Um, there's no main character in October. Like the story is not told through any lens other than the sort of camera slash the di- the director's lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about Eisenstein movies is that they are, at, well, at least his movies from the 20s, they they are in some sense. I mean, they're propaganda films. Right. They were uh, funded and and per- and uh, sort of permitted by the Soviet propaganda uh, arm. Uh, but they're also they're also sort of like strikingly um, uh, energetic and uh, very modern feeling uh, avant garde films, basically. Um, so there's a lot of like very rapid editing, a lot of experimentation with how you get people to read uh, the image. It's just sort of infused with this this I, I guess you know revolution revolutionary energy, the kind of thing that I guess inspired Jack Reed about the revolution. Um, these films are, are if a film like October is, is trying to supply this sort of art form uh, 
uh, of the revolution, and it's uh, infused with energy and enthusiasm and um, uh, sort of uh, collectivity, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's a very uh, it's a very interesting film. I, I I didn't find so the information I found that conflicts with the events of of, of Reds is actually just from thorough Wikipedia reading. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> Eisenstein's October is based on Jack. It's supposedly like sort of partially based on Jack Reed's book, uh, Ten Days That Shook the World, which is the book that he wrote after coming back from the revolution from Russia. Um, but, uh, but yeah, after watching Reds and October this week, I kind of got obsessed with, you know, what, what really happened here? <laughs> um, and uh, the, the second half of Reds, I think, takes a lot of um, liberties with the story, at, at least the story of... Um, uh, of Louise Bryant and Jack Reed. Uh, the, actually, the, I think the most important part to me was uh, sort of the last scene. Like, did the last scene really play out that way? Uh, and I would try to avoid spoilers. But yeah, <laughs> it's pretty pretty close. So that 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 was good. But a lot of like, how how they how it leads up to that to the final scene in the movie is uh, fabricated. Okay. Um, but yeah, October doesn't. Um, October is just sort of like uh, an extended, an extended sequence for the last part of the first half of Reds. Like mm-hmm. it's all, it's yeah. all just the revolution, uh, and it kind of it starts in April with the original, uh, or I guess before that, it starts in February with like the original revolution, and then there's a provisional government put in place, and then several months later, there's the the sort of final Bolshevik revolution. Um, October's yeah, it's it's great. I don't think it's as good as Battleship Potemkin, but it's it's great. Mm-hmm. How did you watch that? Uh, it's on YouTube. Okay, uh, it's not the best copy ever, but it's on YouTube. <laughs> good to know. Uh, might check that out. That sounds cool. Um, anything else that um, you want to talk about, um, Aaron? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we've covered it pretty well. I guess I'll just uh, sort of reiterate that. I feel like the most interesting and entertaining parts of the film for me were in that second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the seeing sort of the, um, uh, the, the trying to build a political party and how difficult that is and how the politics of the people, let's see how to say this, the poli- like the group politics are sort of supersede what they actually want to try to get done uh, in terms of, uh, you know, trying to uh, claim power and make sure that their voice is heard is sort of more important than uh, actual, uh, the actual political discourse of, of what they want to do for people, um, which I think is, uh, especially in the context of uh, this film and the, uh, the political system that they are trying to build, I think is, sort of a fun little irony uh and 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 a lot of those scenes uh really uh really move and are really fun uh, i guess i'll hat tip to paul sorvino who plays um one of uh first one of jack reed's biggest allies in the movement and then sort of one of his biggest political enemies by the end uh mm-hmm. and that's uh that's sort of a fun transition that happens yeah, Gene Hackman also pops up for a cup of coffee. He does. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I agree. I think that stuff's really interesting. It's sort of like watching the collapse of something that hasn't even happened yet, which is weird, but that's like what's going on in the film. And you have, I think, a really kind of, you know, uh, funny, I guess, moment when Jack finally goes to Russia and he's looking for uh, approval that his party, which I, I don't even remember, but there's the Communist Party and then there's the Communist <laughs> Labor Party. And uh-huh. it's like, we want you to say that we're the official ones. And, and right. he's sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting in front of they're like, no, this is stupid. Like, you're both the same thing. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> yep. um, which is, uh, you know, it's, I think sums a lot, uh, sums it up quite well. Um, yeah, I, I think it yeah, really sorry, kind of speaks to people who... Uh, uh, are sort of disenfranchised with politics today, or sure. maybe disenfranchised isn't the right word, but disillusioned. Um, uh, the things that they hate and the things specifically that I hate about the political system uh, really kind of shine <laughs> in this film, and, sure. and you kind of see how that happens, and um, all the, the party bullshit uh, uh this is a this is a good sort of biography of of how that happens. Yeah, definitely. It's a good biography of of the left, I guess. The sort of constant split splintering. <laughs> right. It's uh, easier to fight with each other than it is to actually fight against something that we're opposed to. And I say right. we is you know making a big assumption, but um, Pat, anything else that you want to talk about? Uh, you know, I, I think we, we covered all the, the stuff that I found most impressive. I, I've been very effusive, but maybe a little bit vague. I just, I, I loved, I loved this movie. I'm, re- I'm really happy to hear it. Uh, I do too. It's, it's, you know, uh, up there for me on my, uh, on my, you know, best of list, my favorite films. And, um, I'm really excited that we got to cover it. I hope that people check it out as a result. And, um, yeah, I guess that's going to just about do it so thank you for uh to the hemmingbirds for the use of the song half a second off their album half a second which you heard at the top of the show um you can check us out on twitter at the sin essential like us on facebook at the sin essential and search us out on itunes where you can subscribe to the podcast and while you're there leave us a five-star review we will appreciate that it'll help other people discover and enjoy the show pat really happy to have you on um let's definitely do it again sometime Aaron, thank you as always for mm-hmm. uh, your fearless leadership. Yeah, thank you guys sure. for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so with that, we will uh, let you go. Uh, there will be blood is coming. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, there will be blood. It's going to be something, I think. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, until then, uh, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Since Sarah's in here, I'll say it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>